Welcome everyone. We are continuing our study of Simha. We are in class number 41. Specifically, we've been studying the subject of Emunah. And again, Emunah not in the sense of belief, but understanding what's going on in our lives and what to do through the lens of Emunah. We just close that door. Thank you. David Melech, Allah Shalom. In one of his greatest accomplishments, which was to find the place where they would build the Beta Megdash. We're not going to go through it now, why that was a great accomplishment. But in short, for hundreds of years, the Jewish people had no way of building the Beit HaMikdash. First of all, they didn't know where it was. David HaMelech had that merit to find the place of the Beit HaMikdash, where it is today. And he planned to build the Beit HaMikdash. He started collecting the materials for the Beit HaMikdash. Hashem told him that it's not going to happen. He's not going to build it. Rather, his son Shlomo will build it. David Melech wrote a song. A song that they would say at the inauguration of the Beit HaMikdash. It's one of the Perakim of Tehillim. One of the more famous ones. Mizmor Shir Hanukata Bayit Le David. He wrote a song for the Hanukata Bayit that they would say at the inauguration. And he starts off with the words Aromimcha Adonai Kidilitani. He says, I raise you, Hashem. Because you raised me. You gave me such a zechut. Such a hatzlaha. That perhaps millions before me were not successful. Thank you for that. Thank you for raising me. So you raised me, I'm going to raise you. Now I want you to pay attention to the words in Hebrew. Because they have a lot of meaning for this class. Arom mimcha lashon marom. Marom means to raise, leharim. So I will raise you, that's the right word. But then he says, Arom Hashem ki dilitani. We would have expected David HaMelech to say the same word. Arom Hashem ki romamtani. You raise me. I will raise you because you raised me. What is this word dilitani? What does it mean? Where does it come from? So the Mefarshim explained that the word dilitani has actually two meanings. The word dala means to draw. 
There are two ways to draw water from the well. You could be Sho'ev Ma'im or Dole Ma'im. This is not a class in Digduk, but I need to explain to you so you can appreciate what the words mean. Sho'ev Ma'im is a person who goes down with a bucket and brings the water up. Lidlot Ma'im, Dala Ma'im means a person has a pail with a rope and he lowers the pail down and then he gets the water and then he pulls the water pail up. That's called delia. So when a person draws water in the word dala, he first has to go down and then he goes up. The word dala has both meanings. The Mefarshim explained it comes from the word dal. Dal means to go low. And lidlot means to go up. So when David Melech says, Aromimcha Hashem, I will raise you, Kidilitani, he wasn't talking only about the salvation, about the great accomplishment that happened to him, which would be describing Liromem, that I went up. But rather he's describing the entire process. Which is, that first he went down. There were many challenges in general in his life. Specifically here also he was challenged. We will not go through that right now. But the bottom line is, that David Melech is not making a song or writing a, a poem to say thank you for the salvation, thank you for the gift that you gave me, thank you for raising me. What a hatzlaha, what a success. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. David Melech wrote a song to thank Hashem also for the diliyah, for going down, also for the challenges that he had to go through in order to get to the success. That's why he used the word Dilitani. As we'll describe soon, when a person makes a Se'udat Hoda'ah, when you make a Se'udah of thanks, because something great happened to you in your life, it would be insufficient to say thank you for the great salvation that you brought to me. It seems to be the purpose of the Se'uda. If somebody would ask you, why are we making a Se'uda of thanks? What happened? So you would say, oh, I almost died. And then I was saved. I'm thanking Hashem for saving me. I almost lost something important in my life. But Baruch Hashem, I got it back. I'm thanking Hashem for getting it back. That would seem to be the logical answer. If anybody was asked, why are you making a Saudat Hoda'ah? What are you thanking for? I'm thanking Hashem for the gift. For the husband that I found, for the child that I had, for the health that I received, for the money that I made. That would be the most obvious answer. It would almost seem silly to ask, why are you making a Saudat Hoda'ah? It's obvious. 
But David HaMelech is teaching us, and we'll get back to that later, that that's not sufficient. You kind of missed the boat if you made a seudat hoda'ah, thanking Hashem for what you've received. But before we get into that, I want to just share with you a very important thought now that we're learning about Simha. And every class we've been learning really is essential. And this is an essential point, a perspective in life. You know, when it comes to happiness, you could only enjoy the moment that you're living. You, you cannot enjoy the past. You cannot enjoy the future. The past is gone, the future didn't come yet. Happiness happens in the moment. If you're successful to enjoy the moment that you're in, every moment of life, you'll be a happy person. But there's something interesting about enjoying the moment that you have to know. And that is, that a person is only able to enjoy the moment that they're in, when they appreciate what it was like before, when they didn't have what they currently have. Let me explain. A person has money. They made money. Is it enjoyable to have money? Forget spending it, that's not the point. Is it enjoyable just to have money? The fact that I have money right now in my pocket, in my bank account, is that a reason to have simha? Can I enjoy that? So it's going to depend on one thing. You're going to have to answer one question for me. Do you remember what it felt like not to have money? If you don't remember what it was like not to have money, then you will no longer enjoy the money that you have. You could spend it and enjoy the things that you buy with it. Again, I'm not talking about that. But you won't enjoy having money. Is it enjoyable to be married? Again, forget what comes with marriage. Is it enjoyable just to be married? The answer is, if you remember what it was like not to be married, then you will enjoy it. The day you forget what it was like not to be married, then you will stop enjoying being married. Children. Are children enjoyable? Same question. If you could remember what it was like not to have children, then you will be able to enjoy your children. Even if they give you a very hard time. Even if they're very challenging. Even if they keep you up at night. You will still be able to enjoy a child. Because you remember what it was like not to have a child. You know, sometimes people, and I would never say this to them directly, but in a class like this, I could say it. Sometimes people complain about their children. They complain that their children are keeping them up. That they're not so easy. School is calling every few days. And all the, different, the, the challenges that children bring that nobody can deny. But I would like sometimes to look to that person, I would like to, I don't. I would like to tell them that I know many people that would give their right arm and probably their left too to have your problem, to have 
a baby that's crying all night and won't sleep. They would give anything for that child. Of course, you can't say that. Because sometimes people will take it the wrong way. But that's the truth. The minute you forget what it's like not to have a child, is the minute you stop enjoying having that child. A father and mother, same story. Is it enjoyable to have a father and a mother? It's only enjoyable if you remember what it was like not to have one. I know you have a few questions in your mind right now. I'm going to address them in a second, just wait. Is it enjoyable to have health? Is walking around healthy? Is that a source of enjoyment? Can I just be happy because I'm healthy? Answer is, if you remembered what it was like not to be healthy, yes, you could enjoy very much just being healthy with nothing else. But the minute you forget what it was like not to be healthy is the minute you lose your ability to enjoy health. And that goes for your eyes and your legs and your kidneys and every part of your body. Now you might be thinking, okay, there are certain things that you said that I can appreciate. I can maybe appreciate what it was like not to be married. But you know what? I've always been healthy. So what do you want me to do? To remember back when I wasn't healthy? How do I do that? I never had that experience. So the truth is we all did have that experience, we just don't remember. We were once created. We were created from nothing. We were created with, we had no eyes. A hundred years ago, the people in this room did not exist. The world existed, we didn't. And all of a sudden we received something. So maybe it's a little bit harder than to remember last week when you couldn't walk and now you're walking. It's a little more challenging when you had a kidney that was failing and now you have one that's working. But you need a little imagination. Or maybe a visit to a hospital. It's once in a while worthwhile to go visit a hospital. Not just to visit the people who are sick but to visit yourself, the person that you could have been. And all the different things that so many humans are struggling with, that Baruch Hashem, you don't have. It only takes one lap around the hospital to realize how many things you don't have. And that is a source of your simha. Because if you don't realize what you don't have, meaning what you could have had and don't, you will never appreciate what you have. Marriage may not be so easy, but sometimes looking at things the other way may be more difficult. And so on and so forth. Many, many examples. Many of the things that we have in life are actually very enjoyable. But on one condition. You could only enjoy the moment if you remember what it's like not to have that moment. And when you start forgetting, then you lose your ability to enjoy it. Very simple formula. David Melech reminds us this. When he says, Hashem, Hashem, thank you, I'm so excited. I am so happy. I just don't know how to say enough thank yous. I don't know what to do with myself, I'm so happy. You know why? 
Kidilitani. No, no, not because I'm successful. That, I probably would have forgotten my excitement. But because Dilitani, because I remember also when I wasn't so successful. I remember when I was low. I remember when I wasn't David Melech Israel. I remember when I wasn't married. I remember when I didn't have children. I remember the time before I was successful. I remember that. Dilitani. I could only enjoy what I have right now. And the reason why you see me so excited right now, that I'm saying, Aromimcha, I want to talk about you, I want to thank you so much. It's only because I do remember the past. I do remember the dal, the low point of my lives, of my life. You know, even in learning, it's like that. You know, sometimes when you're learning something, if a person appreciates teaching and wants to give over something to students and he wants them to enjoy it, so very often the information itself is not enjoyable until you develop a question. Which means if I would just come over to you and say, listen, I have this tremendous uh, thought I want to share with you. And I share it with you. The thought itself might be beautiful, but chances are you won't enjoy it that much. But if we developed a question before, and I asked you, what does this mean? How does that make sense? How does that fit what we learned yesterday? Why would God do that? Why would He write that? Could you explain that to me? And you'd be scratching it and saying, you know, you're right. That doesn't make any sense. Why would God do that? Why is this written this way? And all of a sudden you're starting to think and you have a question. And then all of a sudden I come to you and I say, let me show you how this could make sense. And then I say over the answer. And you're like, wow. That is so nice. I love that. What a beauty. If I would just give you the answer right away, you might say it's nice, but you won't appreciate it as much. Because you're not appreciating what it was like not to know it. That it should be difficult. It's a way of life. That's the beauty of Gemara learning. Gemara learning is full of questions and answers. All questions and answers. The whole page. Questions, answers. What does this mean? This doesn't make sense. I don't get it. Question, answer. Oh wow, that makes sense now. I get it. Learning becomes so much more enjoyable when the information that you have now is appreciated because you realize you didn't have it before. This is, by the way, what we do the night of Pesach. The night of Pesach, we don't just sit down and celebrate our freedom, which would have made perfect sense. Because isn't that the purpose of the holiday of Pesach? It's the Jewish Independence Day. So we should sit down and celebrate all the great miracles that took place in our history to bring us to a state of freedom. And we have plenty to talk about. But yet, the Haggadah, Hazal Talas specifically, is written, and you're not Yotzeh if you don't do it this way, is that you have to first talk about the difficult times. Potheim Begenai. 
We first talk about Abadim Hayinu Lefarah. We talk about Arami Oved Avi. We talk about our early difficulties with Lavan. How Yaakov struggled with Lavan and all the different challenges that he had. And how our people were struggling physically, spiritually. That's how you start the Haggadah. We don't start the Haggadah saying, Thank you Hashem. Look how you took us out of Egypt. You gave us money. You split this. No, we don't talk about that. We talk about all the challenges. And we know that that's the way it's supposed to be. The Torah tells us. Because the Torah says, When you sit down the night of Pesach, Make sure you do it al matzot umrorim yochluhu. When you eat the korban pesach, the korban pesach is supposed to is that dish, that barbecue, that of free men. Hashem says, wait before you eat that. Make sure you put the maror in there. Make sure you talk about the bitterness. Make sure you experience a little bit tonight the bitter herbs. Because if you don't experience the bitterness and you don't remember where you came from, you're not going to enjoy the freedom that you have. It's a general life derech. It's a way of life. The minute you forget your low past, whether you had one in reality or you could have easily had one and God spared you, if you forget that, you cannot enjoy the moment that you're living in right now. You're only able to enjoy this moment. But to enjoy this moment, you need to appreciate the moments that passed. Perhaps no one said this more beautifully than the Chavot Levavot in his opening to Shara Behina, one of the more famous chapters that he wrote. He asks over there a very simple question. He says he doesn't understand how it is that humanity is not flipping from happiness, is not going wild from happiness and gratitude for all the things that they were given. He says, we know that every human is experiencing so much beracha in their life. Yes, they may have some things that they're lacking. We also know that. But so much beracha in their life. They're eating, they're digesting, they're tasting. They have family, they have health, they have so many things. Again, everybody's missing something. Nobody's got it all. But there's plenty to be happy about. And he is wondering, how come humanity is not going wild in Saudat Hoda'a like every day? It seems that even in their time, people struggled with Simha. So he gives three reasons. Right now I'm going to focus on two. One reason he gives is that the general human outlook is that when you have something you very quickly start to look at something bigger. The way our rabbi said it in their beautiful ways is that when a person has a hundred, a hundred of anything, so naturally he has ambition for two hundred. 
And when they have 200, then they want 400. Ambition isn't a bad thing. It's a good thing. But sometimes ambition can get into the way of happiness. When ambition makes you forget what you didn't have. It doesn't have to be that way. You could want more and yet remember where you came from. But very often, like he says, once people have something, they're already on to the next. They're already planning for the next possession, the next item, the next deal, the next house they're gonna build, or the next car they're going to buy, or the next status that they're looking to reach. That's part of the human ambition. Again, not a bad thing. But sometimes it could be a wall that blocks your happiness. Because if you get too ambitious in the sense that you forget how much beracha you have, because sometimes ambition makes you so ambitious that you just forget what you currently have. And he says that very often people, because of their constant look for more, they forget what they have. They forget where they came from. And they don't enjoy their life. So if you're wondering why isn't everyone walking around with smiles and excited and energetic and all in for their simha, why not? You have so much. Could you imagine somebody who didn't have a leg and someone gave him the leg to walk, how happy he would be? He would be happy for months and years until he forgets that day. Why are we forgetting? He says, because we're so focused on what we don't have. Again, not a bad thing to have ambition, but we're so focused on it that we don't take time to remember what we didn't have that we do have. And therefore, we're not happy. The second reason he gives is that because we could become, we'll call it, it's called bad habits. Not all, you know, if someone would ask you, are habits good or bad? You probably answer, depends if they're good or bad. Bad habits are bad, good habits are good. The truth is even good habits are not so good. Because habit basically means that your brain checks out. And you just behaving without thinking. He says that normal humans, when they come into this world, everybody, only Adam Arishon was an exception to this. Every human that came into this world, they come in immature. And because they're immature, they don't understand what they have. You can't expect a one-year-old to appreciate their health. Imagine I would give this class to one-year-olds, or two-year-olds, or even five-year-olds. They couldn't appreciate what I'm talking about. Because they're not mature. Humans are brought into this world with a certain immaturity, both physically, mentally, emotionally. They just can't understand what you're talking about. But what happens during those years of their youth, is that they have so much beracha, so much good, Hashem gives them. But they get used to it. And it becomes the norm of their life. And when they get older, and now they become more mature, and they now can appreciate it, 
they really could understand it today. Problem is they've been seeing it so many years. It's happened to them so many times that they just continue with their habit of not appreciating and not thinking about what they had. Had any one of us been born mature like Adam Arishon, imagine you'd be born mature day one with a complete mind and understanding and you looked at yourself and the world around you, you say, what is this? Who gave me this? How did I get these fingers? How do they move like this? How can I see? Who made these cameras? Who made these fruits? They taste good, they look good. What's going on here? We would ask thousands and thousands of questions in the first hour. We'd be wondering, where did this come from? Where was I three minutes ago? And that would lead a person to appreciate. That was Adam Arishon. Since Adam Arishon, nobody was born mature. We were all born the same way. Until we mature, now we're capable, but now it's too late. Because we're already used to a certain mindset. We're used to, we got into a habit of not appreciating. Sounds silly. But even not appreciating is a habit. So I don't wake up one morning and say, Thank you, mom. You're so special. I can't believe you made me dinner. Even though one morning I should. But I'm a habit because for 10 years I couldn't do it. I wasn't capable of doing it. So I never change what I used to do. Unless I come to a class like this or I open Havot Levavot and realize, hey, you got to start changing. You can't live with the same mindset as a five-year-old. You have to realize that you've gotten everything that you have from nothing, zero. You didn't exist. And everything you have is a gift. You don't need to have it. Nobody owes you anything. You're not entitled to anything. You have it completely as a gift. And you could have easily not have it. It's within our ability to change our mindset. But we must take those steps. Says the Havot Levavot. Most people don't do that. Most people are still living the lifestyle of a five-year-old, even if they're 75. They never change their old habits. They're still the same child who feels entitled and doesn't for a moment think why do I have this? Where was I before this? Who gave this to me? Do I need to have this? Is this a must? I must have health? I must have legs? Who gave it to me? Says the Havot Levavot, these two reasons, again, reason number one, we're always looking for the next item. So we never think about what was. And number two, our habit of a child never leaves us unless we make real effort to change the tide. The child in us will never change. We grow bigger and fatter and taller. And maybe in a way smarter. But the child mentality could stay with us forever. And that's what the Havot Lavot says happens to us. We just never wake up to realize there's so much to enjoy. That's really another way of saying, Aromimcha Hashem ki 
That's what the Havot Levavot saying. You know, it's a challenge for every person. You have to know. When we speak about these challenges, sometimes you sit there and you say, wow, wow, I feel stupid. Where am I for the last 50 years? How come I didn't think of that? You have to know when we go through challenges, it's really the great equalizer of humanity. All of us go through it. It's the smart people that internalize the simple, obvious things and actually make their life better because of it. Listen to this great person who had a similar challenge to us. It's Yosef HaTzadik. The Pasuk says that Yosef, when he was in Egypt and finally became this powerful man in Egypt, he got married and he had a child. And the Pasuk says that Yosef called his child, he named him Menashe. Now pay attention to this. Why did he call him Menashe? Where did he get that name from? So he says, Ki Nashani Elohim. This was an original name. He wasn't naming after anybody. It comes from the word Nashani. Nashani means, Hashem has made me forget. I forgot. Ki Nashani Elohim. In my success, Baruch Hashem, I forgot. Et kol amali. I forgot all of my troubles. I had years and years of suffering, of challenges. He says, now where I'm sitting, I have such success that I forgot Menashe. I forgot all of my toil, all of my difficulties, so many years struggling. Nobody had more toil than Yosef. And I forgot my entire family. I forgot my father, I forgot my brothers, I forgot everything. So I bet somewhere along the statement that I was just talking, you got a little disturbed. When you heard that Yosef mentioned the word Menashe, he called his, excuse me, he named his son Menashe because he forgot his troubles you were probably saying, nice. Sometimes Hashem could bless a person so much that he forgets where he came from. It's such a beracha that you even forgot the troubles. Nice. You were probably saying, thumbs up, I like that. I might call my son Menashe. But then when you heard the second thing, you probably got a little disturbed. You said, what? He's thanking Hashem that he forgot his father? That's something to be proud of. He thanked Hashem that he forgot his family. Look what he says. Ki nashani Elohim. Hashem has gave me so much success that I have forgotten all my troubles in the past. Ve'et kol bet abi. And my entire family. How can Yosef be proud of such a terrible thing to forget your family, to forget your father. You know, one of the big questions that the Mefarshim have in general is how could it be Yosef didn't send a message to his father when he could have to tell him he was alive? He knew his father was suffering, thinking he was dead. Why didn't he write him 
a letter, send a telegram, send somebody. He could have done it in so many years. Why did Yosef not tell his father, I am alive, I'm doing well? That's a big question that we're not going to deal with today. But if this pasuk is true, then the answer is obvious. That's what Rav Hirsch says. Rav Hirsch says, it's not a question. According to this pasuk, you know why he didn't send the letter? Because he forgot him. Simple. Tell him, who's your father? I don't know. I forgot my family already. That's long gone. New chapter in my life. They're out of my life. He says, how could that be? The Mefarshim don't understand how Yosef could do such a thing. And the Torah reports it like it's a nice thing. Says the Malbim that this pasuk is a very key pasuk to understand so many things in our lives. And he says, this pasuk shows us the way of great people. So if you want to be a great person, you have to hear what this pasuk is teaching. He says that Yosef, because of his success, and we could so imagine this, he was the most powerful man in the world. He had everything. That's real success in every area. He says that when Yosef had this success, he felt that he was starting to forget all of his toil. He was starting to forget where he came from. He started to forget his time in jail. He forgot his time being sold. He forgot his time being a slave. He forgot all of his troubles. Who can blame him? He's sitting on top of the world right now. And he started to forget his family. That's what happens in life when you become successful. You start to forget the important things in your life. And even the important people in your life. Yes, it's a fact. People become wealthy or successful in something. They forget their own cousins. They don't forget them. Of course, they know their cousin. But when they see their cousin, they say, Hi. When they see another person, maybe a wealthy person, or a person with their status, they give them not a hi. They give them a very big giant hug. Maybe a few kisses too. And a lot of smiles. Holding their hand to come in to do. The other guy, your cousin, didn't look like anyone important. That's called forgetting your family. You forgot your parents. You forgot your friends. And very often you forget God Himself. Because you're so successful, you forgot everybody. It's not unusual. Moshe Rabbeinu warns us in Devarim. He says, I worry about you. Because on one hand, I'm blessing you that you should have success. Success in the physical world is quite important. It could bring a person to a lot of beautiful things. But says Moshe Rabbeinu, I worry about you. Pen tochal vesabata. I'm so worried that you're going to have so much to eat that you're going to be satiated. Banim tovim, batim tovim tibneh. You're going to build beautiful homes. I'm worried about you when you build your beautiful home. Because you're going to lose your mind. You're going to lose all the important values of life. That's what happens when you become successful. Yosef started to feel that he's losing memory 
of where he came from, his troubles, and even his own family. So what did Yosef do? In our world today, maybe you would write something on your phone to give you a daily reminder. In those days, they didn't have daily reminders. So he did something that would ensure that he will never forget where he came from. He names his son Menashe. Every day, how many times you say Menashe? How many times you call your son? Menashe, wake up. Menashe, it's time to sleep. Menashe, how was school? Menashe. And every time you say the word Menashe, okay, Yosef, don't forget where you came from. Don't forget, Aromimcha Hashem ki dilitani. That means Yosef was worried. Imagine we think that we're struggling. Even Yosef is struggling with this. Even Yosef is struggling with the pasuk that David Melech pronounces. Hashem, Hashem, I never forgot where I came from. I never forgot the difficult times in my life. And Yosef, during his struggles, he says, I have to do something. I must remember where I came from. I must remember the surgery that I had. I must remember when I was in bed for two weeks. I must remember when I lost my kidney. I must remember everything that happened to me in my life. Menashe says the Malbim says the Malbim it's not just Yosef this is the derech of great people great people understand there's a great danger to forgetting and you must remind yourself you know who else did this? Moshe Rabbeinu Moshe Rabbeinu's first son he calls him the Teled Ben Vayikra et Shemo Gereshom. He calls him Gereshom. What's Gereshom? These are all original names. They were not named after somebody. Where did that name come from? Gereshom. He says, Ki Amar Ger Hayiti Pe'eretz Nochriya. Now he found himself with a wife in Midian. Baruch Hashem, he's starting a family. But this man was on the run. He could have lost his life. The most powerful man in the world is running after him, has a bounty on his head. And Baruch Hashem, now he's safe. A family took him in. Ger Eshom, Ger Haiti. I was a stranger in a foreign land. I survived. That's what he names his son. Never to forget. Who's that kid? Get a show. Moshe, why did you even get a show? Get Haiti. I wasn't always this comfortable. I wasn't always this relaxed. I wasn't always so blessed. Never forget. Get a show. We're talking about David Melech. You know, David Melech, in those days, the kings had unique currencies. Each king would have their own currency. What was David Melech's currency? What did his coin look like? The coin of David Melech, like every coin, had two sides. One side 
had Mitsudat David. The, the citadel of David, not the hotel. The, the real Mitsudat David, the fortress of David, sign of tremendous power and might. What's on the other side of the coin? The other side shows a shepherd with a stick and a bag over his shoulder. That is Kidilitani. You can never enjoy Mitsudat David if you don't remember the stick and the shepherd. It's not two stories. It's one story. One needs the other. That's a life derech that every person must start searching within themselves to bring out their past. The past struggles that happened and if you're great enough the past struggles that Baruch Hashem never happened. If you could write a book on the struggles that never happened to you, then you'd be a really great person. You'd really understand what Dilitani is. You don't have to go through struggle to appreciate struggle. It's actually much better if you don't struggle and you can appreciate it without it. Unfortunately, for many of us, it's a very hard mission to appreciate a struggle I never had. But if you're smart enough and you're connected enough and you put enough effort, like I said, maybe it takes a hospital visit, maybe two hospital visits. Maybe it takes to sit down with a book and start writing about what could have been. Maybe writing a letter to yourself. But somehow, we need to reach Kidilitani. It's a critical mindset to reach Simha in the current moment. Without the past, you're not going to enjoy the moment. Which makes sense, by the way, of the Birkota Shahar that we say every morning. Every one of us, every morning, gets up and says the blessings in the morning. For example, Pokeyah Ivrim. Thank you, Hashem. You open the eyes of the blind. For most people, that beracha has no purpose. Because they say to themselves, but I was never blind. I know, I know what you're talking about. If it was a blind person opened their eyes, that would be something. They should make that beracha. Me, I say it because I have to, but I don't really relate to it. I was never blind. Matir asurim. He, uh, he opens up those who were tied up. They couldn't move. For most people, they were able to move their whole life. They never were not able to move. So I don't know why I'm saying it. Okay, they told me to say it, so I say it. Zokef kifufim, there are people who are hunched over, they can't stand up straight. Like animals, they have to stand on fall. They can't do it. Oh, I don't know why I'm saying it. That's what we, again, again, we say it because we're good people. And deep inside, we know there's something here to appreciate, but we really don't appreciate it. Because we say to ourselves, we never really know what that is. But today's class, is a, that, that's what they were written for. Because they're written so that you don't have to go through that. The best way not to go through a challenge is appreciate the challenge that never came. This way you don't have to go through it. You only have to go through it for a reason. So if you go through it without the challenge, that's the best of everything. Hachamim are telling you every morning, imagine that you are blind. Close your eyes and imagine that you can't see. 
And then open your eyes. Imagine that you don't have what you have now. This is Dilitani. Every morning, Hazal wrote Berachot for us so that we can experience the joy of life. Now I have to share with you something that the Gaon Mevilna says. You know, in Hebrew, there are different ways, different words of describing happiness. I'm not going to go through them now. Each one of these words describes a different type of happiness, meaning a happiness that comes through different ways, different channels. The Gaon Mevilna says, what is simha? Exactly describe where does simha come from? So he says, listen to these words. It's so important to know this. We're doing a classes on Simha. I can't believe we're in the 41st class and we're still now touching on what the word Simha means. Says the Gaon, Simha, listen to these words. Nofel al davar hadash. Meaning, when you get something new in life, something you weren't expecting, something new happened in your life, something called simha builds within you. That's why we say, by the Hatan and Kala, Sheva Berachot, we say, Sameach Tesamach Re'im Ahuvim. Sameach Tesamach means, they should always have newness in their life, like today. When a person gets married, that day is a very happy day. It's something new. Davar hadash. You have a child, it's new. It's happy. You make money, it's new. It's happy. The question, however, is if to be happy... I always have to have new things. You know, new things don't come every day. I can only be happily married once, that means, one day. Because the newness, already the second day is running out. By a week, by a month, by a year, it's gone. The newness of a child expires pretty quickly. The newness of having money is gone. It's not new anymore. So on this standard, it's going to be very hard to have simha all of your life. Because how often could you get new things all the time? But the truth is, the truth is, the newness is very much dependent on our outlook. Let me explain. We've mentioned before that when it comes to giving others, a person is supposed to give without expectation of reciprocation. If you give expecting something in return, so then you're not giving, you're investing. When you give your spouse, you're not supposed to be thinking, so what am I getting for this? When you give your child, you're not supposed to be thinking, what am I getting back? If you're thinking that way, which most of us Think that way. It's not really giving. It's giving with a string attached, which means you're just investing. When an investor gives money, 
it looks like they're giving money, but they're not giving anything. They just want more back. So they give to get more back. Most of giving in this world, although it looks like people giving to each other, I would say most of it is really investing. Real pure giving is when you give without any expectation. It's very hard to do. You give your wife, you give your husband, you give your child without any expectation. What happens when you do that? Besides that it's pure kindness, besides that it's making you real, a real great person, but besides that, it actually helps your simha. Why? Because if I expect you to give me something, so I've been waiting, I already invested last week, last month, last year. I've been investing for a long time with you. So I'm waiting for the necklace. I'm waiting for the gift. I'm waiting for the attention. I'm waiting for you to do something for me. Whether it's daily, monthly, hourly, whatever it is that I'm waiting for. I've already invested enough of myself that I am waiting for someone like you, who I invested in, to give me back. This is payback time. When that person gives you, you're not going to enjoy it that much. It might bring you excitement, but not simha. Because simha is only davar hadash. It's only new. It could only be new if you're not expecting it. That's the key to simha in relationships. Because if you're expecting something back for what you did, so when you get it, it's not new. You're waiting for it. It's the box that you're waiting for from Amazon. It doesn't bring you simha. It actually makes you nervous. Why is it coming so late? They told me it would come by 6 p.m. It's already 8 o'clock. When the box comes, you're relieved. You're not sameya. But if you didn't expect the box, and it showed up at your door, something you really liked and wanted, that would bring you tremendous simha. So actually when you give your children or your friends or your spouse, and you're expecting something in return, you're actually taking away your ability to have simha when you get it. Because now it's not hadash, it's not new. If you would be pure, it's not so easy. But imagine you could graduate to this level of pure giving. It's very hard. But let's say you could do it. Imagine you gave purely. You know what happened to you? Someone would give you something. Your son would give you something. They say, wow, I can't believe you did that for me. Most of us would say, that's all you did for me. That's what you got me? You got me a thousand dollar necklace. I was expecting like something big. That's it? How many times have you been disappointed when you got something, but it just wasn't enough? It wasn't big enough, it wasn't nice enough, it wasn't written big enough, it wasn't... Whatever it is. And instead of being happy, actually very often you get disappointed. It's because you're expecting. So one of the keys in relationships is when you give purely, when you give without expectation, you actually become more sameah. You become more happy. 
Because everything that happens to you in life is new. And guess what? That happens with us and God too. Meaning, if I expect tomorrow to walk, so when I walk tomorrow, I'm not going to enjoy it. How can I enjoy it? It's not new. But if I don't expect anything for tomorrow, I am flesh and blood. I'm a nobody. I'm living, I'm hanging by a thread, by a need, nothing. If tomorrow I wake up and I walk, that would be the biggest beracha. I don't expect it. I don't expect to see tomorrow. I don't expect to eat healthy tomorrow. I don't expect for anything tomorrow. I'm not expecting life tomorrow. And I wake up tomorrow, if you could have shipping. Again, it's not impossible. It may sound very difficult, and it is. But it's something we can try to aspire to. Imagine a person goes to sleep, not even expecting to wake up in the morning. And they wake up in the morning. Do you know what kind of simha you'll have? You know how you'll say the beracha? Elohai neshama shenata tabitera. You know those people that got kidneys, who had to go for dialysis a few times a week just to stay alive on machines? And then someone gave them a kidney? The kidney doesn't work as good as ours. Most people's kidneys are much better than the replacement one they got. But they enjoy that kidney far more than we enjoy our kidneys. Why? Because we, don't, we never thought that we wouldn't have a kidney. So how can we enjoy a kidney? So let's think, is a kidney enjoyable or is it not enjoyable? Well, he enjoys it, I don't. How come? Because he didn't expect one. He got a new one without expectation. We, wake, we go to sleep every night expecting that tomorrow we're going to wake up and we're going to be healthy and we're going to be wealthy and we're going to have great kids and we're going to everything go well. We're, we're already in entitled mode. Tomorrow we're getting everything. And when we're missing something, not only are we not happy with what we get, because we can't be happy because it's not new, because I already had it, we start complaining. How come today I'm feeling a little pinch here in my knee? What's going on with me? God, why are you, why are you killing me? He's killing you? You have about 10,000 things you have to be happy about. You didn't say one time, thank you from your heart. You didn't say one, you weren't sameach once because of your eyes. How many people listening to this class can actually say honestly that they've been sameach for their vision? I think very few. I'm talking to myself too. We don't enjoy our eyes. We, we say the bracha. We don't enjoy it because we expect it. We expect our children to respect us. So we're always disappointed in them because they never respect us enough. We expect our spouse to give us more and it's never enough. And we expect the Almighty to give us everything every day, full, full plate. What it does is two things. A, you can never enjoy what you have. And B, you'll always find yourself complaining. Because when he leaves one thing out, you'll say, what happened? This is, this is what life is. How are you going to have simha in life if this is our attitude? How is that possible? If, like the Gaon says, that the definition of simha is something new, how are we ever going to have simha when our expectations are bigger than what we have today? So we have to work on that. That's the message of Dilitani. It's all the same message. 
Dilitani means I cannot enjoy anything in my life, anything, if I don't remember the Dal, if I don't remember and I don't realize or imagine that I'm not supposed to have it. I don't need to have it. When I remember that, all of a sudden, my success becomes enjoyable. The smallest and the largest, it's all gonna be simha. I once heard a cute story, I don't know if it's true, but I imagine that it's true. There were two patients in an old age home. Two older people, they were sharing a room. So one tells her friend, thank God, what a family I have. Not one week goes by without a visit. Somebody always comes. And they always bring something with them. Apple, candy, a drink, something. What an amazing, amazing family I have. The other lady says, at a different time I imagine, to somebody else, what a horrible family I have. Once a week is all they make for me. Could you imagine my whole family once a week? And when they come, they come with an apple? They come with an orange? Where's the hakarata job? Two people in the same exact situation. One is sameah and one is very unhappy. Exact same situation. It all comes from what the Gaon says. You're expecting, you're never going to be happy. You're not expecting, the smallest things can make you excited. Simha comes from newness. And the newness has to do with you more than anybody else. But there is one more thing I have to tell you. This class would not be complete if I didn't tell you the next crossover. Till now, what did we learn? Very simple. You want simha in your life? You have to remember or imagine what it's like not to have what you have. You will enjoy everything that you have. Not easy, but that's what it's going to take. Simple. But now we're going to cross over to something maybe even bigger. If it's possible. The Pasuk says in Mishle. Shlomo HaMelech says, Sheva Yipol Tzadik Vakam. A great person falls seven times, means many times, vakam, and he gets up. Simply that pasuk means that the difference between a great person and a not so great person 
isn't that the great person never falls and the mediocre person is falling. That's not the difference. Everybody falls. The difference is their reaction to their falling. The great person, even though they fall many, many times, Sheva Yipol Tzadik Vakam, we've all fallen in life. We've fallen to anger. We've fallen to the wrong words. We've fallen in relationships. We've fallen in our relationship with Hashem, in spirituality. We've fallen in Averod. We've all fallen. Says the great wise man, Shlomo Melech, falling doesn't make you bad. It's if your reaction to it. The great person, he falls and falls and falls and then he gets up. We're not born perfect. Nobody's born perfect. Nobody's born calm and patient. Nobody's born mature in their avodat Hashem, in their, in their wisdom, in, in anything. We're not, we're not perfect. That's not an accident. That's the way life is. The great person, even though they fall, they get up. They say, you know what? I'm going to change. I'm going to become calm. I'm going to become more meaningful in the way I live my life. I don't do anything. I'm just turning wheels in my life. I'm going to do more. But come, I'm going to get up. Rav Hudner Alava Shalom says that those who explain the pasuk that way, maybe he's being a little bit, you know, sarcastic, I don't know, sarcastic or maybe a little too drastic. He says, the, the ones who explain the pasuk the way I just told you, he calls them the fools. The fools explain the pasuk like I just explained. He says, let me tell you what the pasuk really means. He says, Shalomu HaMelech is saying, not that despite that you fall, you get up. No, no. He's saying, Sheva Yipol Tzadik Vakam. The way to become somebody is you have to fall. Falling is a necessary down in order to get higher. Like a trampoline. By a trampoline, if you want to get high, you got to go lower. If you don't go that low, you're not getting that high. The lower you go, the more you fly. Which means that Hashem sends people, now we're not looking to go down. That's not the point. Hashem will send us Yipol in life, in different areas. There's many types of Yipol. There could be financial Yipol. There could be a health Yipol. There could be a spiritual Yipol. Whatever it is. That falling has a goal. The goal is to get very high. Because when people don't go down, sometimes they become very, very complacent. And they stay just like this, without any movement. All of a sudden they go, boom, fall down. That wakes them up. Again, it might be a health issue. It might be a financial issue. It might be a spiritual issue. It might be an emotional issue. It might be a relationship issue. Whatever it might be. 
Hashem will send you a fall. The fall has a purpose. The fall is to raise you. Because you're falling asleep. You're not doing anything. Or you're not doing nearly enough of what you can do. That's what the Pasuk says. I've mentioned this Pasuk before. Pasuk says, Yotzer Or, not a Pasuk, we say it in our prayer in the morning. Yotzer Or Ubore Hoshech. Hashem forms the light, excuse me, yes, forms the light. Ubore Hoshech, and He creates darkness. I once shared with you a beautiful explanation of this Pasuk. The word Bore means to create from nothing. Yotzer means to take something that's already existing and forming it. Yotzer or, when it comes to light, we say, Hashem, you form the light. Ubore Hoshech means you create from nothing darkness. Why is darkness from nothing? And why is light considered forming? What material is Hashem using to make the light? So I saw a young man once, he told me beautifully, so beautiful. That Hashem creates darkness. And in the darkness, there's the light. The light is formed from the darkness. It is the most difficult times in life that can form the greatest person. It doesn't have to be. It could also break you. It's up to you. But those moments in life that are challenging is what forms the person. Before you eat a, the fruit, you have to take off the peel. You're not getting to the inside until you take off the outside. There has to be some work done. It's not just go eat right away. Listen to this beautiful pasuk. Says David Melech, sometimes Yaakov, Am Yisrael, has a Ayat Sarah. Ayat Sarah means a moment of trouble, of challenges, of difficulty, sorrow. Ayat Sarah Yaakov. Listen to these words now. Umimena Yivashaya. Yivashaya means salvation. And from it he will, have, he will find salvation. Not salvation from somewhere else. The actual sorrow, the tzara itself, is the source of the salvation. Umimena yivasheha. Says David Melech in Hallel. We say this in Hallel, such beautiful words. It's hard to believe how David Melech comes up with such amazing words. He says, Even ma'asu habonim. There was a stone. That the builders, when they were building, they saw it and they looked at it and it was, they despised it. They said, this stone, what is it going to do for us? Hayeta lerosh pina. Suddenly when they finished the building, they realized that the stone that they were so disgusted by, when they put it up, that it became the talk of the building. It became the most precious part of the building. Now, David Amalek is not talking about architecture here. 
What is he talking about? Who are the bonim? Who are the builders? The builders are us. Every one of us is building our legacy. We're building our eternity. We're building our life. We're building our families. And sometimes when you're building in life, you encounter an even, you encounter a stone, and you look at that stone that happens to you, and you say, why do I need this now? Why am I suffering with this now? Why are they not feeling well? Why am I not feeling well? Why did I lose money? Why am I going through this difficulty? Why is, why is everyone upset with me? Why did I... Whatever it is, Evan. How many Avanim do you have in life? It's not Evan, you have plenty of Avanim. The Bonim, the builders are us. And as we're building ourselves, we find an Evan. And we say, oof, that Evan, horrible. What do I need this for? How can I make a building like this? How can I succeed like this? Evan ma'asu ha-bonim. Hayeta le-roshpina. With the right reaction, will become your most precious stone. One day you'll sit around with your grandchildren, and they'll ask you, Grandpa, Grandma, tell me, this beautiful building that you built, could you explain this to me? How did you do it? So I'm going to tell you, there was, a, there was a stone in my life. There was a stone that at the time, it was very difficult. I wanted and I wish that that stone would be thrown out of my building. But today I'm here to tell you that that stone is what made me today who I am. Do you know how many people who were great would attribute their greatness to a stone in their life? Now let me repeat that. Do you know that everybody who has reached any greatness in their life has taken a stone and turned it to Rosh Pina. you will not find a successful person in anything without this event. And it's probably more than one. It's a gift, the event. Listen to the words of David HaMelech. Tzarot lebavir hibu. We say this in the morning, after Anna. He says, I'm going to read it to you simply the, most, most, the way most people translate it. He says, Tzarot, Tzarot are sorrows, troubles. Tzarot levavi, the sorrows of my heart. Hirhivu, they became so wide. What does that mean they became wide? It means they occupied such a large part of my heart. I feel like my whole live. It's all I think about are my sorrows. Tsarot, sometimes tsarot are like a little piece in the corner. And sometimes they camp out and they have like this big presence in your life. Tsarot levavi hirhivu, they got so wide. Mimetsukotai hotsieni, please Hashem, take me out of my distress. I can't live like this. When you're distressed, you can't live, you can't think, you can't make good decisions, you can't be happy. 
But the Malbim says that's not what the Pasuk means. We're reading it wrong. And in fact, the Ta'amim, I believe, are a proof to the Malbim. I'm not going to go into it now, why? He says we're reading it wrong. It's not Sarot Levavi. It's not the sorrows of my heart have widened. He says you have to read it like this. Tsarot, Kama. Sorrows. Levavir Hibu. They have made my heart much bigger. I have become a much bigger person because of the Tsarot. I do not complain about the Tsarot that you send me. Because I know Tsarot. When I had no issues in my life, I was this selfish, careless human being. All of a sudden a tzara came and my heart opened. How many organizations do you know? Or maybe you don't know, but you should know. Have begun because of sorrow. How about the organization I visited in Israel a few months ago by the name of Shalva? Shalva today has this huge building, I think maybe a hundred thousand square feet in the heart of Yerushalayim, helping thousands and thousands of families who have disabled children. A chesed that you can't imagine, a state-of-the-art building where they give them swimming and basketball and music and care and they even sleep there sometimes and they relieve the parents of some time for themselves. Who opened such an organization? Somebody who was living life at ease, you think? Someone who had it all, had no issues in their life? They were just sitting on a beach and thought of this great idea? Let's help people in need? You think it happened that way? Well, it didn't. It was a couple who had a difficult child. And when they looked around for help, they realized there wasn't much out there. And all of a sudden their heart opened and they realized there are more people just like me that need help. I never noticed them. I never knew how many people needed this. So today, 10, 15, 20 years later, I don't know how long it is. We're helping thousands of people every day live a better life. Where did it come from? Tsarot levavir hivu. Any great organization, any great accomplishment, any great person had this catalyst called tsara. Sometimes it was opening up, like I said, organizations. And sometimes it was a big change in their life. You know, when you find adversity in your life, you have two choices. There's only two. There's no more. There's two choices. You could try to escape the problem. Or make believe it doesn't exist. And try to go to war with your adversity. Go fight it. Either it doesn't exist. I'm going to get out of it. I'm going to show the cancer. I'm going to show the this. I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to fight it. You could fight it. Or, the other choice you have is, 
that it could become a new chapter in your life. It could lead you to a new you that you never dreamt of before. That is Tzarot Levavi Irahim. No great person ever changed. You know, change is not easy. Change means changing our habits. Change means getting looks from other people. Change means doing things that we never were comfortable doing. We know what's right. For the most part. But it's so hard to change. How in the world am I going to change? So many things I have to deal with. And then all of a sudden, a tzara comes into your life. She walks in. A tzara is a call for action. It's a call for something bigger. There's a bigger you that you may not be aware of. It's like a coach for an Olympic team. They're having tryouts for the Olympics. There's three guys there training for hours. After a couple of hours, the coach tells two guys, the guys, the guys, go home. The third guy says, can I go home too? No, no, you stay. You know the hour with you. Why me? Why you? Because you're going to the Olympics. Because you need the train. They're not going to make it. You're going to make it. I see so much in you. With a little more training, you can make it to the top. Tzarot are not sent as a punishment. At least that's not the way we should look at them. Tzarot levavir hibu, says David HaMelech. I don't complain about Tzarot. I don't complain about the challenges you sent me. Because I know they have only opened my heart. They've only made me a bigger person. The only thing I ask you, just don't let me be stressed about it. The tzarot are fine. We don't ask for them. But if they're there, we don't try to dodge them, fight them, ignore them, make believe they don't exist. We need to have them open a new road for us. Just please Hashem, I need that I shouldn't be distressed. Because if I'm distressed, I can't operate. I can't do anything. I need you to help me have the right attitude towards them. By the way, in Hebrew, something beautiful. The word in Hebrew for sorrow, as we mentioned already a few times, is tzara. There's a word in Hebrew that is exactly like that word. But it means something totally different. Tzura. Yotzer. You know what Yotzer means? To form. Why would the word Sara, which means sorrow, have the same letters as the word to form something? What's the connection? The connection is very obvious after this class. A tzara has one purpose. It's to form the great you. It's to form something in you that you never saw before. Don't be scared of it. Take it on. Become bigger than where you have become your whole life. Don't be scared of change. No great person ever stayed the same. Of course you have to change. 
How else could you become someone special if you don't change? How many times have you looked at your son or daughter and you saw them doing things and you said, come on, you're so much better than that. You could be so much more successful than that. What are you doing? Why are you sleeping? Why are you so lazy? Why are you involved in nonsense? What are you playing video games all day long? You know how much you could do? You know how much you could be? How many times have you found yourself looking at your children and saying, come on. Maybe you had a student and you say, what are you doing? And you talk to them and you talk to them. What are we talking about? That's exact. Next time that happens to you, that's Hashem looking at us. He looks at us and says, come on, are you, are you kidding? You know how much you could do? You know how much you could build? You know how many people you could help? You know how much Torah you could learn? You know how much your tefillah could be? You know how great of a human being you could become? What are you doing? What are you coasting? And unfortunately, like we do sometimes to our children, Hashem sometimes sends us a little wake-up call, a little issue here and there. The idea is to allow us to grow into the great us. You know, when you read Rashi, who is the greatest commentary on the Torah? Rashi. Rashi is unbelievable. In every pasuk in the Torah. Open up any Gemara. Rashi. Without Rashi, I mean, every day we have to say, thank you Rashi. Because without him, we cannot understand anything in the Torah. Tosafot. Forget about it. How much they gave us. You, you read these books. You know how many books have been written just on Rashi? Just to explain what he means. You know how many dirashot every week all around the world Jews are teaching Rashi? You would think that Rashi and Tosafot have at the Rambam lived around the same time, eight, nine hundred years ago. They lived probably a very easy life. They had time to sit and learn and write and do everything. They lived in the most difficult time of the last thousand years. That could have been the most difficult time. They were the Crusades during that time. Then Rambam writes in some of his books that he's on the run. He's running away from somewhere and he's writing. Rashid didn't have a dollar to his name. He's freezing, writing with his ink that's frozen. You're talking about people that suffered. And despite their suffering, they became great. Well, let me correct that. Because of their suffering. Sometimes when you have things too good, it destroys you. You don't have to get to that point. That's what it means, ki dilitani, in the active stage. In the, act, in the first dilitani that we learned, we said, never forget your past. Never forget the troubles, never forget the things that you went through. This explanation of dilitani is, and don't ever take your current challenge for granted. Don't try to make believe it's not there. Don't, don't ignore it. It's a call. It's a call for action. Hashem is lowering you for a reason. There is more expectation from you. You know that you could do more for your children. You know you could do more for yourself. Step up. Dilitani while it's happening. I'll end off by telling you 
a most beautiful story. Again of Yosef HaTzadik. Here's a man having the worst day of his life. If it was my vote, I would vote that was the day. We all have this bad day that we remember. This was, I think, without question, the worst day of his life. Here's a man, 17-year-old boy, in the house of Yaakov Avinu, he's royalty, beautiful family that he's living around. And in one day, he's almost killed. His brothers sell him. He's now going to be a slave. He doesn't know where he's going to go. He doesn't know how long he's going to live. He loses connection to his family, all his support, all his great gone. Eventually becomes an avid, becomes a person. The worst day of his life. Can't even imagine what that day looks like. So the Pasuk says on that day, that when they sold him to these Arabs that were going down to Egypt, so it says that along with these Arabs, they were carrying all types of spices. They were carrying nechot, utsri, valot, types of perfumes. Now the Torah doesn't really tell us these things. They're not important. You know, did Yosef have to uh, shower that day? Maybe, but we don't have to know about that. You know, did he eat lunch that day? Probably. Did they feed him something? Yes. We don't know about that. Did he sleep in, in the wagon when he was taken? Probably. Was he crying? Maybe. We don't get all the details. It's not a, it's not a report. It's not a movie. What do we care what the Egyptians were carrying when they were transporting him to Egypt? Who cares if they're carrying perfume or carrying gasoline or nothing at all? What's the difference? Who cares? So obviously if Torah writes it, so it's obviously important that there's a message here. So Hazal say, I'll tell you the message. Hazal say, the message is very simple. Here's a man a great man like Yosef, a great tzaddik. He's going down to Egypt. Usually Arabs, they don't, they don't deal with perfumes. The majority of their business, the bulk is oil. Oil is very smelly. Gasoline, it's not something that's very comfortable to be in for a long period of time. So Hashem, He spared Yosef at tzaddik. He spared him from the difficulty of that ride. And He gave them a ride full of perfumes. Gardenias and all the flowers, gorgeous, beautiful. Okay, when you read this, you say, okay, I hear, nice. But if you think for more than three seconds, you say, what? This makes no sense. You know, when I tell you somebody's enjoying perfume, so what are you imagining? You're imagining someone sitting in his backyard. He has beautiful grass, lush, beautiful grass, trees. He's sitting there with a, with a drink, maybe a, a little lunch, and he's, Life is amazing. You think that that day, Yosef is capable of enjoying perfume? Now I try to compare it to something like, something in my, my life, I mean, Baruch Hashem, not my life, but I can understand it. Imagine a guy in death row, He's waiting to die. They're going to kill him. Finally, he's waiting, he's waiting, he's waiting. Comes the day, tell him, okay, today is the day. Say your last filah. Goodbye. They told him, we're going to take you, we don't kill over here. 
We're going to fly you somewhere. It's about an hour away. And we're going to kill you there. And they tell him, so we take you in a private jet. We don't go commercial. Do you think, do you think that this guy is going to go over to his friend and say, you know, you know how I'm going to, by the way? You don't, private. I don't, I don't, I don't fly commercial. I'm just saying, they fly me private. You think he's going to enjoy a private jet in that moment? You think, you know, they have Hatzalah Air. God bless them. Unbelievable organization. They're literally flying people around the world to get them help. It's a private jet. Hatzalah Air. You want to go on it? You think the guy who's in his bed, tied up with all types of doctors around him, experiencing a private jet experience? You think he's capable of such an experience? Of course not. Yosef I think, is the worst day of his life. You think right now he's going to be able to make Borem Mineh Samim and enjoy it? What kind of hesed that God is doing for him? But the answer is very beautiful. Is that in life's sorrows, Hashem will always send you a little perfume. The perfume isn't for you to enjoy the perfume. It's Hashem's message to you that I'm bringing you down for a reason. There's a reason why you're going down. There's a reason why you're going through this. I know it's not enjoyable. It wasn't meant to be. But there's a reason. Here's a little perfume. Just to show you that I'm there. Strengthen up. Become much better than you are today. Live up to your greatness, Yosef. I am with you. That is an experience that every human has. It says tzaddikim, but I imagine even for regular people. Hashem, even in sorrows, will send you a little light. The light is to remind you, this is purposeful. This is not meaningless. This is tzarot levavir hivu. But you gotta react. You gotta jump. You gotta get up. You can just sit around. Sitting around, makes it useless. Sitting around makes it purposeless. Hashem ki dilitani. Two explanations. Both sides of the coin. When you are sameach, when you're successful in what you have, never forget when you were down. Or try to imagine that you could have been down. That's the time of success. But dilitani means, thank you Hashem, because as you put me down, as David Melech is the spokesman for Am Yisrael, we read all his Tehillim, there was no one more down than him. David Melech says, and when I was down, I knew that this was a down that was only meant to go up. So even when I was down, I realized it wasn't just going the pail and throwing it in the water, I realized it was bringing the water out of the well. It was what, something that was important for me. To expand me as a person. Such a person who lives with this pasuk will definitely have a very big hope to live a life of simha. Because really, life's about the struggles and about the success. 
And you have to know how to deal with both. Ra'izrat Hashem, I give you all a beracha, myself included, that we should, we should have tremendous simha in everything that we do. The great things we should enjoy, and even sometimes the challenges we should take advantage of. Have a beautiful day. Baruch Allah Amen ve Amen.